0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com slash B-E. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Welcome to transformative principle. I am so excited to have you today. And today I'm excited to welcome Melissa Emler to the podcast and she is from modern learners for the show notes for this. You can go to transformativeprincipleorg slash episode one zero four eight. And this is a special episode that I'm releasing midweek because I think it's so valuable and be sure to go to the website bit.ly slash modern learners Jethro to get the special link that they set up just for listeners of transformative principle. So thank you again. This has been a wonderful conversation with Missy and I hope you enjoy it. Have a wonderful day and enjoy the interview. Welcome to this special episode of Transformative Principle. Today, I am very excited to have on the show Missy Emler or Melissa Emler, might be how you find her. We're friends, so I can call her Missy. She's the director of community at modernlearners.com and a longtime friend of the Transformative Principle podcast. So, Missy, welcome to Transformative Principle and thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me, Jethro. Yeah, Missy is spoken language. Melissa is written language. So Melissa Emler is where you'll find me on social. But when we're chatting, it's Missy for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, great. Good to know. I actually didn't know that that was how it works. So anyway, (laughs) I'm excited to be talking with you today. And you are working with Will and Bruce at Modern Learners, and you're doing some amazing work over there. So can you tell us a little bit about that for those who are not aware of it yet?
1: Absolutely. So Modern Learners is an online media company essentially and Will Richardson and Bruce Dixon curate amazing content um, for the website. And then they also write a blog and do a podcast almost weekly. Their travel schedules make some of that complicated. However, they do their best to produce um, the weekly Shifting Conversations blog that we follow up with a conversation about that in the podcast. So my role in Modern Learners is to really support the work in getting out to the world. And so I do a lot of the social media work and communing with um, our community And getting them excited about the content. And I found Bruce and Will just through their content. And it moves me in a way that's very much matched with my own personal beliefs about learning. And so, yeah, we've been working together for about two years. And that's where we are. So modernlearners.com. Check it out.
0: Awesome. Well, I have uh, been following Will Richardson ever since I joined Twitter way, way back in I think November of 2007. And he has been someone that has been inspiring me for ages. And I am definitely a big fan. And I love being able to hear his voice regularly on the Modern Learners podcast because he really does have great insight that has been transformative for me for many years. So I'm just proud of the work that you guys are doing and it's very exciting. So thank you. What I want to talk about today though is you guys have a new ebook out called seven strategies to win the war on learning. And it is very, it really speaks to some of the things that I've been thinking for a long time about assessment and testing and things like that. And so can you talk a little bit about that ebook, and then we're going to dive in and and hopefully get a little controversial here in just a moment about that.
1: Absolutely. So the ebook started with a post on Facebook, and it started as a shifting conversations blog post titled The Emperor Finally Has No Clothes. And that particular shifting conversations blog post was shared. Over 2,500 times on Facebook, and it was seen by over 650,000 people. And we laughed because it just kept taking off, and it was like it just went and kept going and kept going. And a couple months later, it was still being shared. And so that was the impetus for us to say we need to dive in deeper on this particular topic. And in the winter of 2017, we released the white paper, um, the 10 principles for schools of modern learning. And that was essentially the gateway to come to know modern learners for many people. And we knew that we needed to put something out in the winter of 2018 to bring people back to us and also to keep the conversation going. So when the emperor finally has no clothes blog post, went viral, that was the impetus. And I have to tell you that blog post kept me up at night. I saw it come out, it was released and I read it and I did not sleep that night. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, that's just, that is in that post is so true. So the blog post turned into a 47 page ebook. And I would love for your people to pick it up and I'll leave a link for your show notes with a specific one. Um, It'll be something like modernlearners.com slash Jethro or something. We'll make sure that doesn't work right now, but I'll make sure that you have a specific link so your audience can get it.
0: Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And it is a, it is a great idea to make sure you do go check that out because I'm reading it right now and just love it.
1: Yes. So that is what we will start with. Awesome.
0: And so can we talk a little bit about, so it's basically saying testing is not all it's cracked up to be, which many people have known for a long time, but at what point do we start changing and actually making a difference?
1: Yeah. So it's really interesting because as that blog post went viral, Will Richardson and Bruce Dixon also interviewed Scott Rooney from the Hawkins School. Or Scott Looney, I can't remember right now, but Scott from the Hawkins School, who is also starting an organization called Consortium or Mastery Transcripts. Yes. A Mastery Transcript Consortium. And he he very blatantly said on the podcast that there is absolutely zero evidence that grades work. And then couple that with the you know, how people feel about standardized testing, not really being a measure of learning. It just made sense for us to take a very intense stand. And so I'll just read the first couple of paragraphs of the white paper to you. So you can get a feel for sort of where we go with it. But Bruce writes, are we finally seeing the beginning of the end of testing as we know it? For too long, we have tolerated and sadly by our practice perpetuated the populist mythology that testing as we know it today supports learning. That is not only dishonest, it is also deceitful because it ignores the irreparable harm being done to learners in schools every day. If there is a serious lack of reasonable evidence of any significant long-term benefit to support the high-stakes standardized or norm-referenced testing we have today, then isn't it time this absurd attack on learning came to an end? And I Mm -hmm. think the most important piece of that, those two paragraphs that I just, just read, is that we as educators have perpetuated the populist mythology that testing supports learning.
0: And, and that's a powerful statement because it really is just a mythology. And, and we're not talking about teachers testing in their classrooms. We are talking about the high stakes standardized tests, right? That's to be clear.
1: Yes, we are specifically standardized testing, but the paper, the ebook goes on to talk about classroom grading practices and letter grades and how the different ways that we need to have assessment that matters. And it not not matters in terms of giving us a school report card or something along that way line, but measures what is learning. And so often these tests and grades don't reflect learning. And that needs to be at the core of every conversation we have in our schools, more so than what the test results are. Because as we know, test results don't always indicate learning
0: yeah absolutely and you know when it becomes high stakes and schools jobs and funding is based on that one thing that i've said many times is that it is unethical for teachers to participate in the testing of their students that is going to determine their jobs and we've seen cheating scandals about standardized testing and that only makes sense because people are put in this awful position to have their kids perform or else. And I just don't think that it's ethical. I think that as if we're going to continue down this path, we should also be hiring professional testers to come in and test our students away from us so that we can actually say this is a valid, reliable test, which I don't think we should do that either, just to be clear. But, but that's one area where if your job is based on how well your kids do and you are actually the one administering the test you have more incentive to cheat than to not cheat in my mind and that that puts people in a horrible position that i think is just not fair at all
1: absolutely and it gets at the heart of what modern learners really stands for and we stand for creating a culture of learning and not a culture of teaching and the standardized tests in the format that we know and understand produce things like school report cards and f- funding opportunities for schools they contribute to merit pay for teachers but in the end it does not promote a culture of learning it really measures a culture of teaching because all of the onus on the results is placed on the teacher and modern learners has a strong belief that learning is the responsibility of the learner. It is the responsibility of the teachers and the educators to create the conditions in which learning can happen. And testing, in the way that we understand it to be, is not necessarily creating the condition for learning to happen.
0: Yeah, I took a pause there just to let that sink in for a minute. It's the responsibility of teachers to create the conditions for learning to happen. And that is a that should make sense. And yet we struggle with that. Why are we so focused on, well, let me ask this question a different way. I often talk with teachers and they say, I need to do grades because I need to grade these assignments because I need to show that the kid has learned something or other. And I say, well, why don't you just note that you observed that the kid did that? And they say, well, it's not objective. That's subjective. And I said, well, isn't learning or subjective and not objective all the time. And it's really hard for teachers to get behind that idea that they don't have to have a piece of paper that tells them what a student learns. They can see that with their own experience. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between testing or assignments to show what a kid learns and teacher observation and why teacher observation is important?
1: Yeah. So actually what you're talking about in the in the ebook, which is seven strategies to support assessment that supports learning. One of the things that one of the most important strategies is strategy number three, communication beats compliance every time. So strategy number three is to recognize that communication beats compliance every time. And so if we dissect that a little bit, It really, in our classrooms, in a culture of learning, compliance isn't an objective. Learning is always the objective. And so in a culture of learning, the learning happens through feedback and communication. And I'm sure there are parents listening to this because, you know, all of us educators, we are also parents. We have actually witnessed in our own homes potentially logging into the student, the parent portal and looking at grades and seeing a zero or seeing some low grade, what is going on? And in my house, I'm telling you, I have a seventh grader and he's not very compliant on that homework world. And so I see a lot of low grades. And so rather than getting in a tizzy with him, I simply say, what are you learning? And are you communicating what you're learning to your teacher? And if this assignment doesn't allow you the opportunity to communicate that, what are you doing about that? So it's my son's responsibility to make sure he communicates his questions and his understanding. And it is the responsibility of the educator to listen to the feedback of the student and to provide feedback that will aid the learning. And not just provide a score at the top of the page or in the grade book. It's really not about the number. The number does not communicate anything.
0: It doesn't it doesn't communicate a single thing except a judgment that may or may not be accurate. And the judgment, if it's right. inaccurate, means absolutely nothing. But if it could possibly be accurate, it's only a moment in time and doesn't express the whole. Picture, or even a clear picture of that student.
1: Well, and the other thing about that, what we're saying. So, I gave you the example of my son, who's you know so not so compliant, which could be a product of environment, right? Because he hears me talk about learning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows I'm not going to have a fight with him about if he does his homework. However, I think that it's important that we mention that the numbers for the students who are are overachievers and are really solid students do not communicate learning either. They simply communicate compliance. Yep. And so we have to make sure that we are communicating about learning and not about compliance. So I know lots of schools have embarked on this standards-based grading, and there are even a subset of schools going gradeless. I don't know that going gradeless or standards-based grading has a real impact or does anything to really change what needs to be changed. And that is the communication that needs to happen to focus on learning. What are you learning? How are you learning? And how do you know you're learning? We typically use numbers and check boxes on standards-based grading to communicate what we think it is in comparison to another student And real learning shouldn't be compared to another student at a norm-based or a grade level or whatnot, because learning is innate, organic, and natural, and it can happen at any point in time. And it will depend on what somebody wants to learn. So at Modern Learners, this is another key point. We, We talk a lot about the fact that most of us as educators have never really had a conversation where we as an organization, as a profession... Um, talk about what we mean by learning. So Seymour Saracen has a great book that's titled, What Do You Mean by Learning? And so we have taken on Seymour Saracen's definition at Modern Learners. to So learning to us means wanting to learn more. So we know that that people are learning when they want to learn more.
0: I like that definition. Tell me more about that.
1: Well, the most important thing is that I don't know that a lot of schools or learning organizations have actually had that conversation and defined learning. So we see this in change school a lot. Um, this is one of the questions that we ask inside of change school. What, what do you mean by learning? And there is not a solid definition of that that leads to shared beliefs inside of our system, which means that our assessment practices that are tied to our beliefs, our beliefs about are often just handed down time after time. We, we do these standardized tests. We use these grading systems and scales because that's what we've always done, even though there's no empirical evidence that states it's a good thing or it matters or it impacts learning. There's no empirical evidence that states that. In fact, we all in the field believe, we all believe that standardized tests are not a great measure of learning. But because the system honors that, celebrates that, and because the system in which we work is quote unquote graded by that, we think that we need to meet that, which is what the first paragraph is meaning when we say we perpetuate that because we continue to have conversations about standardized tests and using that data to drive all of our instruction and not really paying attention to the learners in front of us.
0: Yeah. So if we don't do it this way and we do take the time to get to know each student, understand what they're learning, how they're learning it, why they're learning it, make sure that they're learning because they want to learn more. That just seems like a tremendous amount of work that is so much more difficult than just giving a test and moving on.
1: Yes, it, because it also requires co-creating the curriculum. So, it, And it really starts with getting to our beliefs about learning. So we have to know what our organization believes about learning, and that will keep the educators there that believe the same things. And then you start to whittle away at the practices that, in a sense, are in conflict with our beliefs about learning. And so modern learners' believes that standardized tests specifically, and to some extent grading in our traditional sense, are an example of how our practices do not match our beliefs because we are all in the practice of doing the standardized tests because, and and let me, let me be clear. I realize that they are mandated and I realize that an organization is required to do them. What I want people to start to understand and to start to think about is the amount of time we spend thinking about them, talking about them, planning about them, preparing for them because what i want to see is organizations taking the the data in a small way that we get back from those those tests and deciding if if it is evident that our practices are having an impact on learning. And i hope that we can get to a point where and this is a true story i actually know of several schools that do incentives um, that parallel with testing season. I have seen things like giving away iPads to students who have the most growth percentage points um, in their standardized test. I've seen $100 Visa gift cards being given away for perfect attendance during testing. And I, that is the wrong thing, my friends. That makes us look ridiculous. So we are incentivizing something because we as the organization is evaluated in many cases by that. And we are not explaining, we, we are telling the story that we need to incentivize kids to do well because we aren't capable of preparing them to communicate their learning in a way that doesn't require incentives. So we really have to be conscious of the story we are telling our communities and we discuss the mandates of standardized testing. We, we may still have to do it, but we need to work on the story we tell because we are mandated to do it. We have to work on the amount of emphasis that it has in our daily operations because we have to do it. Because if we celebrate test scores and not kids, we are in a bad space.
0: Yeah, Missy, that is, that is a powerful statement right there. We should be celebrating kids, not test scores. Uh, Thank you for saying that. So where do we get started? I mean, there is so much that goes into this, and it's a huge issue. Where do we start?
1: Yeah, well... So the strategies, I'll just start by sharing what the seven strategies to support assessment that supports learning are. And number one, and I I said this just a bit ago, is establishing your beliefs about learning as an individual, as, as an individual educator, as a parent, as an organization. And as the organization, the school district or the school or whatever it is, develops their beliefs about learning then you start to look at how your beliefs connect with your context, the modern context of the modern world. And then we start to look at our practices and making sure that our practices do not conflict with our beliefs. But I fully understand that getting to a common set of beliefs is time consuming and difficult, but it is really, really important. It's mission and vision work, but Even deeper, you have to have your beliefs in place before you can do the mission and vision work. And most people start with the mission and vision, and we never really talk about what our beliefs about learning are.
0: Yeah, that is true. And (laughs) like all of this stuff takes time and we feel like we have so little time already, but these conversations are vital. I just want to share a quick story about that beliefs and having a vision Because I started at a new school this year, and I started by sharing my beliefs and my vision for the school. And in other schools that I've been a principal in, I have seen challenges to get people going and to buy in and all that kind of stuff. And this year, what I saw when I led with those beliefs and that vision, I saw that everybody could get on board much quicker once they understood where I was wanting to go they started acting in ways that would take us to that place. So instead of a four-year plan of where we we would eventually go, people started doing the things that I was talking about in that four-year plan right away because they knew what was important and they knew what really mattered. And we spent a lot less time talking about those things that don't matter. And like, I know if you're listening to this, I know it's hard. I know it takes a lot of time. It if you go slow and do this then you can go fast later and move through things much quicker because you'll have that shared belief and shared definitions and a common vision to which you're aspiring to and it is it's just amazing when that happens and i'm certainly not perfect this wasn't perfect but it was sure a lot better than every other school i've been in so far
1: absolutely and you know in addition to that one of the other strategies is to invest in trust And it is important to trust teachers to do, well, let's go back to what I said earlier. It's important to trust teachers to create the conditions for learning to happen. And if we get to a common set of beliefs, then our teachers don't feel pressured to meet the objectives of the standardized test. They feel excited and prepared and empowered to live the beliefs of the school. And I think that when you collectively get to a set of beliefs, then everyone knows what's expected. And then you can start to trust in each other and trust in the process. And learning inevitably happens. And you are not dependent on the whim of a legislature or a testing company to change the standards. Because remember, standards in which standardized tests are based on can change and do change regularly based on the political issues going on in our country and in all countries standards are political learning is not
0: yeah so true so missy we got to wrap it up here and thank you so much for your time if you make sure you go to modernlearners.com/jethro to check out this amazing ebook And as we leave, Missy, what is one thing that leaders can do this week to make them a transformative leader like you?
1: I think it's a matter of thinking about what you really believe about learning and being so confident in that belief that you could have a conversation with a colleague and not waver. That's when you can be consistent. So get to your individual beliefs. Tell your colleagues, and when they question you, check to see if you waver or if you're like, yeah, that's it. That's what I believe, and I'm proud of it. (laughs) And when you can get there, you have made a huge step forward.
0: Awesome. I I totally agree. Thank you so much, Messy, for being part of Transformative Principle. This has been a great conversation. For more links to the books and resources she listed, please go to transformativeprinciple.org slash episode one zero four eight thanks again missy
1: thanks jethro have a great day
0: thanks again to missy for being on that episode of transformative principle this has been a, a great interview and i hope that you'll take these things to heart and think about them and review your own practices in your school and improve them so that we can make a better learning environment for our students. And again, please go to transformativeprincipalorg slash episode 1048 for the show notes and all the details. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, Podcast for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts.